Welcome into another Red Out Podcast. My name is Devin, and we're going to get started here tonight. We're talking some transfer news, which if you follow the Tower Rack, you already know what we're going to talk about. And uh, we've got some other things to discuss, uh, basketball news and other such things. Uh, so sticks with us. Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. All right, guys. So we're going to get a quick word from our sponsor here. I've needed a therapist. We all need someone, and it's a strong person who can admit it. I talked to my doctor, who referred me to a therapist, and I really didn't have much say as to who the therapist was. But with this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp, you do. You can filter out who you'd like to talk to, age, gender, religion, and more to pair you with the person who works best for you. And if the person isn't exactly who you were wanting, you're not stuck. You can switch counselors. BetterHelp strives to offer affordable, professional, and accessible online therapy so go to betterhelp.com slash redout today to save 10%. By doing this, you not only support us, you can work toward a brighter, healthier you. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right. So thank you again to BetterHelp. Sign up today. You get 10% off using the code redout. Uh, actually, <laughs> back up. If you use our code betterhelp.com slash redout, you'll get 10% off. Just like I said in the read. Uh, so, Jared, I got you in there, buddy. Yeah, how's it going? Going good, going good. I, I'm having a nice week. You know, we're getting some bad weather tonight, but that's okay. Because guess what? Dallas lost. Yeah. Ultimately, the Cowboys lose. And the America Patriots. wins. And the Patriots. And the Patriots as well. Yes. And by the way, Roethlisberger's prediction was correct. Yeah. Ironically, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of like shaving points, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which, in all honesty, like they didn't play very good at all. Yeah, I think he was ready to fade into the sunset. I uh, honestly, yeah, he's wanting to go off into that Pittsburgh night. Um, if when he retires, I wonder if he gets a watch. I don't know. Because if he does, he should mail that to McCarthy. <laughs> They got to learn some like clock management down there. That was very sad. Yeah, like that was not the ref's fault at all in Dallas at all. No, like, that was completely Dak's fault. I blame Dak one, um, but I also blame the entire Dallas Cowboys organization in general because, like, I read a tweet from Tony Dungy and he's like, you know, I don't know. He quote paraphrasing here. He's like, I don't know why Dallas fans are surprised they haven't been able to manage the clock all year. And I was like, he's right. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if a Hall of Fame coach calls you out on it, then it's got to be pretty close to right. So, yeah. oh, I'm sure he's spot on. Um, but another thing, I guess, uh, we've got is uh, Bailey Zappi. Uh, it's got an agent. So, mm-hmm. evidently, he's going to pro. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. Winner Zap. Congratulations to him. Uh, Jared, do you have any others? Uh, I mean, obviously the Patriots losing was wonderful for me to watch. Um, honestly, I mean, not super whole lot going on. I mean, 
other than Western just kind of choking against good teams in basketball. I mean, that's kind of typical. But, I mean, we are winning in the transfer portal for the most part, so that's pretty good. We'll talk about that later. Yes, yes, yes. How do you feel about your Packers, though? I'm kind of nervous, but I think they're, they'll be okay. I'm kind of nervous about it because Garopp, Garoppolo or whatever his name is. Garoppolo. However you say it. Um, he's, I mean, he's a pretty tough quarterback, honestly. Um, he's been to a Super but, Bowl before. But um, what is the temperature? I think somebody said the temperature was like two degrees this weekend. I believe it. <laughs> in in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Which, Sounds by the way, typical. wild as I'll get out. I mean, it's different from, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, playing in Green Bay or in San Francisco Bay is completely different from playing in Green Bay. Bay. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> like right now, it is 16 degrees. Um, you may hear my daughter yelling in the background. They're playing with Play-Doh. Nice. Um, yes, the temperature Saturday is 21 degrees. The low is three degrees. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find like an hourly thing here. But see, and that's the reason I'm not too nervous because those guys are pretty typically used to playing in this temperature. Living in it, you know. That's my only saving grace. Honestly, when it's above they're... freezing, like that's a heat wave in Wisconsin. Oh my gosh, they're probably wearing shorts in Wisconsin when it's above, you know. 32. Above freezing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I'm honestly not too worried about it. I'm going to try and watch the game. Uh, I don't catch very many just because it's pro football and I'm not really that worried about them. Uh, here we go. Let's see. I'm just going to try and pull up the – okay, here we go. 49ers. Uh Game time, it's going to be 12 degrees. Nice. That's not too bad. Is it going to be snowing, though? I love snow playoff games. Um, It doesn't say. Let's see here. Who they got it connected to? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, so the 21st, two days from now, Um, game time. What time did I say? It was at 7. That's 8.15 p.m. Eastern, so 7 p.m. Central. It's going to be 11 degrees for the entirety of the game. And the feels like it's going to go from zero to negative four at 10 p.m. Man. No snow. No snow. Clear. Better get those heaters ready. And honestly, this is one reason I love Green Bay football, because it's just the (laughs) the cold and... You know, just the craziness of everything. So here's my question for you, though, real quick. As someone that okay. was in equipment tech, hypothetically speaking, what would happen if you're playing in a place like Green Bay and like wherever you have your, uh, all your heaters plugged in, like the outlet just stops working and all the power goes out for them? <laughs> um, first off, I, I really wasn't a manager, but my plan would be to have like, 80 hundred foot cords just at my disposal at all times. Yeah. And I'm going to be plugging in stuff and running around the field, looking for something to plug it into to try and keep these heaters going. Um, But okay. Now here's the thing with Western, like some of the offensive linemen had like this 
thought process, I guess, that if you you were you were soft if you wore like Under Armour and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they would like wear like a t-shirt and you know just the rest of their gear. And I'm like, y'all are nuts. I mean, I've seen some defensive players. I think at Western uh, wear like an entire hoodie underneath their pads. Yes, and I cannot understand that either. Like. I'm when I played in high school, like I had the leggings, I had the high socks, you know, I had the Under Armour stuff going. You know, I was not going to get cold. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to stay warm. But once you start playing and you get hot and stuff, you know, you don't feel the cold as much. Mm-hmm. It's when you come off the field that you're like, dang, it is cold out here. And everybody does that little huddle together move. Was there um, ever a snow game that Western had when you were there? Because I could not think of a game where we would play in where it was snowing. Nope. Not the only game that came close was the first game we played North Texas hmm. and it was sleeting during that game. That's the closest it's come to snow. If we um, ever join the mech though, there's a good chance we'll finally get one. Thanks a lot. MTSU losers. Middle Gosh. Back fat of Nashville way in the Gosh. Like, like the blip that people pass and don't even realize it's there. Gosh. Um, but no, I'm, I'm pretty tickled with, uh, the matchup, uh, as far as green Bay is concerned, they are, uh, they're, they're six point favorite. I, I'm pretty sure Monday or Tuesday they gave San Francisco six points, which, wow. I was mm. blown away at that because I'm like, we're in, it's, it's at home. <laughs> How does this working yeah, out? It's not going to be um, like 50 degrees like it is in San Francisco in the winter time. Yeah. I mean, which, by the way, I wonder what the temperature is in San Francisco <laughs> on uh, Saturday. I know people from California, and they break out like hoodies and jackets oh, and stuff at fifty. It's just like people from Florida. Um, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there was a San Francisco, Coloco, Mexico. Hmm. I just assumed San Francisco was just a regular. Okay, let's see. Saturday in San Francisco. High of 63, low of 47. Yeah, they're going to get, like, shot. Yeah, that's not going to feel good. If I am the coach for San Francisco, I'm going to be like, all right, guys, we're going early. <laughs> be like, get on a plane. If I was We're going to rent something, and we're going to stay, and you're going to get used to the cold. Yeah, see, if I was a head football coach and I knew that I'd have a game like that, I'd be taking my team to, like, northern Canada in the offseason in, like, late <laughs> January in, like, Barrows, Alaska or something where, like, the most northern port in the United States see, just play in the see, ice. You're, see, wait, no, no, no. See, you're not thinking logistically. See, like, what you could do logistically, it would be cheaper to buy a freezer or a cooler and try and make it big enough for the team to kind of huddle into – and make them kind of get climatized to it. Eh, that would be easier than flying experience. them. No, nah, the, <laughs> the whole experience. No, nah, we wouldn't fly. We'd take like those uh, Alaskan bobsleds or whatever with the huskies. <laughs> the dog sled, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a bonding experience for the team. And plus, once they would be playing in negative 10 degree weather instead of negative 50, that'd feel like a heat wave. Jared Rosh-Dusher, coach of the Miami Dolphins was fired today <laughs> after he got into it with his franchise quarterback over a dog sled trip to Barrows, Alaska. <laughs> if he wants to get an extension on his contract, he better do it. 
I think we've already seen how that plays out, buddy. Uh, but I digress. Um, we had three, uh, would you say major transfers? Uh, At least one is. Yeah. One of them was really big. The others are still pretty solid though. I agree. Um, we got a transfer from West Virginia. Which Jerry... I do have some bad news though. Oh, go. I unfortunately have to break the news to WKU's fan base that his last name is not pronounced Doge. Like the meme. <laughs> and after doing more research, like apparently I was watching some videos on YouTube of these West Virginia fans talking about them and they said Diggy, but that's technically wrong too. I was watching like game footage and highlights and the announcers were saying Daggy. So Jarrett Daggy is his name. Yeah, but is that right? Well, I mean, that's what the announcers were saying. So I would say so. They would have the media guys with the pronunciation. I know Western has one with all the pronunciation as well. So that should be what it is. Yeah, but how many times do they mess up Iggy's name, too? Well, they just say Iggy instead of Iggy anyway, so. <laughs> touche, touche. Um, I will say when I saw that uh, Jared signed with us, I saw the name and I immediately thought of you, Jared. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's going to be so tickled with the Doge memes this year. I know. I got a Doge fathead that I had when I was a student. <laughs> it's still somewhere in my house. That's funny. Um, I was wanting to bring it out. I might still bring it out because, I mean, there's still memes about it. But I will say, Jarrett has the greatest Instagram handle I've ever seen. It's at Teach Me How to Daggy, like his last name. Instead of Teach Me How to Daggy, <laughs> Teach Me How to Daggy. That is incredible. That, that I honestly love that. And like when I when you said that in the our little group chat, I, I honestly kind of liked him a little more. And he went from zero to plus one, right there. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be different than Zappy, so we might as well go ahead and kill those comparisons. But even just personality-wise, like he's already way different than what Bailey was. I mean, Jared's going from a big school like West Virginia, where, I mean, I have done some research on him, and he was kind of polarizing for a lot of the Mountaineers fans. There were some that blamed him for a lot of their losses. I mean, they were about 500 with him as a starting quarterback in his time there, which isn't horrible for the Big 12, because obviously that's a good conference to play in, especially football. That's a really tough conference to win in. And he had some really high moments, like beating some ranked teams in the Big 12. But, I mean, he did have some other lower moments that was kind of made evident to me through other videos I'd seen or, like, the q and I did with the Smoking Musket, which is, like, the West Virginia SB Nation account. And, I mean, I feel kind of bad for him because, like, the fans there did not treat him well at all. And I always think that's kind of messed up, blaming everything on the quarterback. So no one was really surprised when he left, but – I mean, statistically speaking, I mean, he has over 10,000 career yards in college. I think like 70-something touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he's done pretty solid. And when he's – like a lot of the issues that West Virginia had was like they did not have a good offensive line at all. Whenever he was rushed or like pressured, I mean, he would get sacked or throw an interception. Like I think he was like 19 touchdowns, 12 interceptions last season for West Virginia, which isn't super great, but I mean, he still had 3000 yards. I mean, he's a sixth year guy. I think he can fit an offense like Western where the sooner that he gets the ball out, the better instead of just sitting back in the pocket. Uh, Cause I mean, we have lost a few people on the offensive line, but it, was, it should still be pretty good. It still should be a pass heavy offense. I mean, obviously he has a lot of talent or else he wouldn't have ended up in West Virginia at a school that big and start. So I think he's going to be a good fit. Uh, just a little bit different direction after getting Bailey Zappi. I mean, he went from FCS into 
FBS and then dominated. Now you have someone that's going from Power Five down to uh, our Conference USA level, which I think he's going to be more comparable to like a Ty Story than a Bailey Zappi. So that's probably more realistically what we're going to be dealing with. And honestly, like I'm fine with that. Um, I we still up- got nine wins with stories, so I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my only thing is, is it, it, I want to speak to the fan base and do not expect a, a Bailey Zappi every year. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That was rare because I didn't think that. I mean, I thought he was going to be good coming in. Just, just statistically speaking, he had big numbers and everything. But I didn't think we'd ever have anyone as good as Brandon Dowdy. And that proved me wrong. So I mean, it's and broke Joe Burrow's record. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the craziest part for me. I was like, you know, I mean, once he got started getting close to it, it was kind of one of those. I think he can do this. Yeah, and then I'm crunching the numbers, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's right there. He can definitely do this. Yeah, all the um, stars aligned on offense. It was just defense that struggled a little bit. But we did get a new veteran defensive coordinator. I don't know if we said anything about it. I can't remember his name, but he's someone that's been in the league for a while. He was Georgia Southern's coach for a little bit. Um, so he's going to be like one of the defensive assistants with Maurice Crom. So I think that's going to be good, having a more veteran presence. But we're still going to be losing Malone, so I don't know if that makes me feel any more confident or not. Yeah, I, I, I hate the Malone loss, but I wish him the best of luck in the pros. I'm hoping. Um, yeah, he's going to be in the senior bowl along with Bailey Zappi, so we do have at least two so, from tops. With so potential. My, I'll, I'll give my opinion in a second. Do you, Would you rather him get drafted or go as a free agent? Uh, Malone or Zappi? Malone, or both, I guess. We'll do both. I mean, I want to see Zappi get drafted. And he signed with Clutch Sports, which is one of the bigger-known agencies. He hired one of the best agents that you could probably get. So She looked nice. (laughs) I mean, she's got a lot of clout, too. And hiring a good agent is what makes a big difference because that can get you advertising opportunities that can help you with negotiations, with getting a bigger contract and not just getting thrown to the curb as soon as you get signed somewhere. So that's going to be big for him. Uh, obviously, I mean, with Malone, I would like to see him get drafted too. Uh, they've been looking at him for like the past three years, pro scouts have. So they have a lot of good tape on him. So I'm pretty sure that both of them will get drafted and probably Stearns too. If somebody doesn't take Stearns, and that's going to be an easy, easy undrafted free agent decision to get someone that had over like almost 2,000 yards catching. It's insane. Yeah. I, the only thing I think is hurting Malone – was he didn't have a as a productive year as um, he did in previous years. Mm-hmm. That's my only worry. Um, I mean, technically, he had a better year this year than he did last year. Yeah, which I mean, last year he only had seventy one total ta- uh, tackles, which that's still a lot. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, completely agree. Um, twenty nineteen, he had a hundred. Uh, 2020 he had 71 and 2021 he had 94. Um, so he, I mean, he's maybe it just, I don't know. Maybe it just, his number wasn't called a lot like it was in the previous couple years. You know what maybe I'm saying? So. I mean, the front that we had was ship and Juwan Jones and all of those guys. I mean, that was a good front three front four on the defensive yes. line. So, I mean, they were able to share the weight a little bit instead of just having maybe him do a lot of the, tackling and trying to save the plays a lot. So it could be a lot of factors. Honestly, with Zap, I'd like to see him get drafted because that's for guaranteed sure. spot. Um, for Malone, I don't know if I wouldn't mind him being a free agent. And the only reason I say that 
I heard a uh, a previous uh, football player talk before about going about his experience as a free agent. And when you're a free agent, you're treated like a king. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you walk in the front office and they've got a jersey for, for you on the, you know, behind the desks. And, you know, you're like, oh, cool. That's what my jersey would look like if I played here. Oh, yeah, yeah. We just we just fix this up for you. You know, it's just, you know, oh, you want to drink with a little umbrella in it? Sure. Yeah, we'll do that for you. You know, mm-hmm. it, what I'm getting at is they roll out the red carpet for you and they make you feel special, you know. Yeah, and so, I, had, I had a cousin that was uh, signed by the Bay. Well, I think it was the Falcons. I can't remember, but I remember my cousin talking about um, he was uh, at his house and everything, and he was getting a phone call because this was like back before like everyone had like the big personal cell phones. Like he called the home phone. It was Lovey Smith, <laughs> head coach of the Bears, <laughs> and picking it up and like fleshing out a lot of those contract stuff like there at the dinner table. Yeah his cousin's house. So, I mean, it's pretty cool to hear stories of people like how it's done. And of course, like all the stories too, on draft day of what people were doing. Like that kills me though. Like to pick up the phone and be like, Hey, it's Bill Belichick. You'd be like, what? Be like, yeah, sure. And, <laughs> and I'm the president of the United States. Yeah. Click. Oops. Sorry. And then he calls back and it's, it's really Bill Belichick. Do not hang up again. I would hang up on the Belichick. I'm sure you would two or three times, but I'd probably say something really bad and then hang up. So the positive thing I'm taking away from Jarrett, is it Jarrett or Garrett? It would be uh, J, right? Jarrett. J Jarrett. It almost sounds like my name, but with a T. Okay. Jeff Jarrett. Um, Basically. I think he was a wrestler, but anyway, um, but with Jarrett, the positive thing I'm seeing, just looking back from to last year's schedule with the with West Virginia, is when they played number 22 Iowa State, he threw for 370 yards. That is impressive. Yeah. Um, now, granted, they played Oklahoma State the next week, and he only threw for 109. So, I mean, they're still pretty good. They were in playoff contention for a little bit. So, I'm not. I'm not saying they're not. Um, but I think it's just an it's an indicator of like like your article. Um, they you, uh, the Tower Rack did a question uh, with a uh, Q and A with the the smoking gun. What's it called? Smoking musket. Smoking musket. <laughs> and um, when the smoke with the smoking musket, um, not to spoil the article, definitely check it out. Um, it was it was pretty good read. Uh, but the uh, what was it? Is it Jordan? What was his name? Yeah, Jordan. Jordan. Um, uh, Jordan for the smoking musket said that uh, Jarrett has his highs and he has his lows and he has his eh. And looking at the passing yards for West Virginia, you know, just kind of his performances, you know, you can definitely see there were peaks. Um, definitely the Iowa State game is the highest throwing yardage. Um, for last year. Now, is that because he didn't have targets? You know, there's a lot of other factors that I'm just skipping over at this point that a little homework would have to, you know, show us. But um, I, I think he's going to be, I think I, I like your assessment that he is more of a tie story than a, uh, than a Bailey Zappi. 
I definitely like that. Yeah. He's definitely um, someone that has enough high level experience that can help us in our type of games. And I think he'll fit with our offense really well, as long as we're able to still have a really strong offensive line. I feel like if we have some inconsistencies or injuries or kind of struggle, giving him a lot of time to throw, then that's not really going to put us in the best position. I completely agree. Um, and we'll have to see, you know, later on as far as like, you know, what, you know, once the season starts, we'll have to see how everything is going to go. Um, another transfer we got from Western Michigan, uh, he left Western Michigan and came to Western Kentucky, um, was Jalen Hall. Uh, Jalen is, um, I don't think he is a, uh, a Mr. Stearns by any mean. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to gauge. I mean, he still had over 700 receiving yards for Western Michigan. I mean, usually they're a pretty solid team, too. I mean, if you look at the players that have come from there, I mean, that's where Corey Davis came from. Uh, I think there's been other wide receivers that have turned out pretty well from Western Michigan. So that's a good wide receiver school. So I think he's he's got some pretty good size. I mean, he has some experience just playing, I think, three seasons for them. So, I mean, it's going to help fill a lot of the gaps that were left behind with Stearns leaving. And uh, I know uh, Mitchell Tinsley going to Penn State. That was another one, losing the two best receivers that we had this past season. But, I mean, if you look at the depth we already have, plus the two transfers coming in, I think that's going to be pretty good to, for Daggy to work with. Yeah. Um, until this season, um, he really didn't break what – 20 receptions all year. Mm -hmm. uh, he had 16 in 2019. Uh, and the other two, uh, 2018, he had 11. 2020, he had 12. Um, but this past season, he had 46 receptions for 752 yards. Um, like you said, he is a big receiver. Um, he sits, he stands at 6'3", 185 pounds. So he's uh, tall and I'm going to say probably muscular just by looking at him. Um, so he's going to definitely, he's almost like, um, I haven't watched any game tape on him or anything, but just like his, his, uh, dimensions, <laughs> it's not really what I was looking for, but, uh, he kind of, he kind of reminds me of like Megatron. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's not yeah, as tall, but the, no, 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 God, no, but that'd be amazing. But no, but I mean, yeah, um, but it's just kind of what he reminds me of. And, and that's fine with me. I, I'd like to see, you know, kind of what his speed was, but. Um, he looks he looks like a pretty good receiver, and I think that's a good pickup too. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, where's the last one? Akron. Michael Mathiason? Matheson. Right? Matheson. Yeah. That eh, was close. Um, Ma uh, Michael comes from Akron. Uh, so a bunch of transfers all in, what, a day or two right there? No, it was all in the same day. It was on Sunday. Oh, okay. And that was intentional, too, because they were actually all on campus together and got a pit group picture. It, what, that was shared from, like, the recruiting page and stuff, Western's football recruiting. So that was a planned thing. Um, Michael has had 56 receptions for 706 yards this past season. Um He's not like um, he's not like uh, Mr. Hall at all. Uh, he's 5'10", 175 pounds, so about five inches shorter, about ten pounds lighter. Which, by the way, you really can't go by that at all. Mm -hmm. They fudge those all the time. But anyway, yeah. 
So 2019, he had 31 receptions. 2020, he had 11. I'm wondering if there was an injury there or something that happened that we don't know about. But Maybe, and also the COVID. Touche, yeah. Um, so uh, there's that, but I, I, I'm looking forward to it. We have two receivers over 700 yards their past you know, with last season. Yeah, both I, I think this is good. Yes, yes, you're uh, yeah, completely, hundred percent, both from but, the Mac. So. And just looking at our offense now, I mean, I'm pretty stoked still. Like, we're not going mean, to put up the numbers we had last year. Go ahead and get that out of your head. We're just not going to throw for almost six thousand yards in one season. Um, we were lucky to ever see that happen, and I'm interested to see how long Zappy will hold that record. But the, looking at what we return, I mean, we'll still have Robichaux at running back. I think we'll still have uh, – shoot, who else did we share snaps with? I don't think we'll have Cofield, but the other guy. I'm already blanking out because, I mean, we didn't run that awful much. But, I mean, receiver-wise, we'll have both of them. We'll have yeah. Craig Burt Jr. We'll have uh, Malachi Corley. Um, shoot, we'll still have Josh Stearns. Uh, I think he's still on the team. Yes. Uh, uh, David Davis is still on the team. Uh, and of course, Josh Simon is the biggest factor. He's coming back. He had an ankle injury, I think, this past season and didn't get to play much at all. So having him back, and if he's if he's back like he was before he got hurt, that's going to be possibly one of the best targets for Deggy to have. Yes, I mean that's that's three targets right there. Yeah, and I mean if you've got both guys in, um, you know you got Hall and you got um, Michael in. Um, that's, that's awesome. Um, I'm blanking I'm out. I gotta over... think of who our running back was. Don't tell me. I'll look it up. That's bugging me. Um, you are talking about, um, oh my gosh. Oh, Whittington. Uh, Noah Whittington. Duh. I'm stupid. I was, I was thinking in, I was like in, I was like, Nick, no, Jesus, what is it? <laughs> Yeah, so we'll still have him, and we'll still have Kai show. So that's going to be awesome to have both of them. Um, yeah, I mean, let's see. I know we've got at least two offensive linemen transferring, Brooks and um, our – God bless it. <laughs> His name's Thomas. Um, last name is uh, Aronico, Aronikale. Gosh. Why do you people? Why? Let's let's just let's yeah. Difficult last names. Difficult last names. Anyway, we got two that are transferring out. Um, one's going to Ole Miss, and I'm not really sure where the other one's going to. Um, they're going to be transferring out. Let's see. I'm trying to see if we have seniors here. Yeah, as Mason Brooks was going to Ole Miss, wasn't he? Was he the one that was yes. going there? Yes. Yes. Well, Him and Bo Wilson both are pretty big losses on the offensive Bo line. Bo Wilson, I mean, that's a third one. Yeah, Bo's going pro. Uh, Mason's going to uh, Ole Miss, as you said. and then Yes, to Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. Is Kiffin still there, or did he yeah. leave? No, he's still there for the moment. <laughs> he's probably going to try to stay there as long as he can just to troll Tennessee fans each season. Which, in all honesty, is pretty funny. I would do that. I would yes. definitely do that. I, I like Lane Kiffin more and more after I get used to uh, them beating the far out of us at Tennessee. But, you know, it's whatever. Uh, so, let's talk basketball real quick. Um, we do have uh, a couple things. Is that public knowledge or no? Yeah. Okay. So, Keith Williams probably won't be playing. 
And yeah, him and, and Harmon. Harmon's yeah. And Harmon's leaving. So um, whatever issues or whatever's going on, hopefully gets resolved. And if they need help, whatever, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what the issue is. So whether it's, you know, whatever. Um, but anyway, back to the games. I did watch the rice game. I sat down and watched that today. I, did, I wasn't able to watch it the other night live. Um, but we played good, dude. Mm-hmm. We had a great second half. That was, that was very nice. That was a very nice second half. Um, excuse me. Um, let's see. FIU was, we talked about FIU, didn't we? Uh, that was the eighth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it. Yeah, we did. Okay. So anyway, Rice, um, Western ended up beating Rice 80 to 66. Um, Rice played a really good first half against us. Yeah, they were shooting a lot of threes, but they were ice cold in the second half, thankfully. For oh, my us. gosh. Well, and honestly, I think North Texas saw that film and was like, all right, guys, we got to hit threes. We hit threes, we beat this team. And, and guess sure what? enough, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, uh, Sharp looked good. I thought it was really funny to see a guy who was um, – what was uh, – what was the guy for Rice? What was he like? Six, eight, six, yeah, ten, something like he... that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, it's only yeah, but he, but he looked like a short person compared to Jam- to Sharp, which was so funny to me. Yeah, like watching that game, I was like, dude, he looks short, and then they show him on the court, and I'm like, he's really tall. Like, like in my mind, it's hard for me to picture how tall Sharp really is at seven five. Because yeah. I mean, like, I remember when away. Alex Rusto was the tallest player we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know if my daughter's coming up here or not, but I can hear her talking. Uh, so field goal percentage, Western shot fifty percent ish. Rice shot forty one. Three point percentage, Western shot about six percent more. Uh, she's working her way up here. Rice had eleven turnovers. Western had eight. Um, and we, we actually out rebounded him 38, 33. Um, so did you watch the rice game? Yeah, I was actually able to watch both of the past games, which was nice for a chance. I hadn't really got to see much basketball as I'd like to, cause usually I have stuff going on Thursday nights and then Saturday I have to work. So, but it was good oh, to, I mean, Saturday's a really big, good. uh, Saturday is definitely a big, uh, uh, coffee day. I can see that for no reason too. everyone goes to Starbucks <laughs> on Saturday. It's like, if you want to go to Starbucks and it not wait 15 minutes, then go any other day of the week besides Saturday, because <laughs> one, we've probably had four call outs Two, everyone decides to go to Starbucks because they don't have school or work or whatever reason. I, I don't know, <laughs> but everyone has to go to Starbucks on Saturdays. So whatever you got me, buddy. Actually, locally, we are supposed to be getting a Starbucks here in Radcliffe. Really? Yes. So interesting. Okay. Yes. So you can uh, you can transfer and live in my basement if you need to. <laughs> I will remember <laughs> that just in case. You never know. Hey, you know you never know, man. Um, yeah. So little Radcliffe, Kentucky's getting a Starbucks. So the more you know. Um, but Western led uh, basically dominated the second half. Um, and Sharp played amazing. And, I mean, he's a blocking king. I just, he, dude blocked a shot, and it was, even in the replay, you know, at first I thought, well, he fouled him. And then I watched the replay, and I was like, that was clean, and that was really cool. Like, that could be a poster. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and of course, my one of my favorite plays was the sharp. Uh, not sure. Yeah, was uh, justice no look to sharp under the goal for the alley oop. Prettiest thing you have ever seen in your life. Yeah, that was good. Um. So let's see here. Yeah, and for those of you listening, if you want to watch the games, um, definitely check out Hilltop Revolt. Um, I'm sure we've got some of those in our archive, but uh, definitely check those out. That's how I watched it today. Uh, and then the awful, god-awful, awful North Texas game against Western. Um, the only thing I can say to describe this as I try to talk over my wife is um, North Texas shot threes and Western shot twos. And you ain't ever going to beat anybody only taking two steps when they're taking three. Yeah, and plus we almost lost our three-point streak, which barely survived. We only made three, and all of those were with less than four minutes left in the game. So I was so, really concerned. And uh, since that had happened, Arkansas, who was ahead of us, actually lost their three-point streak. So we are now number three all time with <laughs> the three-point streak. So I think it's UNLV first, then Duke, and then us. So we've moved up to number three with all things considered, which is insane. So, Jared, hypothetically speaking, what is that three-point streak worth to you? It's just a dumb stat that. No, well, I mean, what I'm saying, no, what I'm saying is, is if you could trade the streak for blank, what would it be? Uh, national title. I mean, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, you didn't put any stipulations on. No, that. no, I didn't. You, you got me there. Um, let's see. I mean, it's interesting because I mean, if you think about it, like having over a thousand and eighty-six, I think it is, games in a row where you've made at least one three-pointer, and I know some games where we only had one three-pointer, and all of them have been understands for the most part because whatever reason. I mean, (laughs) yeah. But our three-point shooting is less to be desired. I mean, Cam Justice is one of our best three-point shooters, and he's having so many back issues because he's like an eighth-year senior at this point. I mean, <laughs> he's struggling to not yeah, have He is problems. struggling. So you have him with back problems, and you have Luke Frampton, who, I mean, could probably have his pitcher on the side of a milk carton right now because he hasn't really showed up at all this season. I don't know what's up with him at all. Like he needs to go, he needs to be on the bench, in my opinion, because Anderson has been playing so well, and Frampton has been very underwhelming this year. I think Anderson has been with the program long enough; he deserves to start. And yeah. why Stansberry doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Like a lot of the coaching decisions that he makes, but I mean, that's whatever. But he, I mean, hey, he just paid the big bucks. I and he no was the, one of the people that saved the streak. I mean, thankfully, Justice made a three pointer after missing like six, I think, beforehand. And all of them were front of the rim, so you could tell that his form was off a little bit, or he's in pain, or something. But we finally got some threes to drop, which at the, that point in the game, and we were already losing so bad, none of us really cared about the game anymore. We just kind of wanted to save our streak and move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm trying to find uh, the actual three point uh, streak, like the list, because if I'm not mistaken, like that, our streak has been going since like '87. Yeah, right? I want to say so. Hang on. We posted in the group chat not too long ago. Oh, did we? Okay. I can find it. I must have overlooked it. Um, 
but which brought yeah, me to so the way it thing. stands is we're number three. Number one is UNLV with 1,144 games in a row, and Duke is number two with 1,130 games in a row. And I think we have uh, like 1,086 games in a row. Um, so, um, one of the, uh, one of the games, uh, well, I actually just Googled trying to find the streak, uh, but it brought me to an article and this is how ADD kick, kicks in, uh, seven college basketball records we think will never be broken. 100 points in a game. In dude college? named Frank Selvey. Yes. A dude named Frank Selvey played for Furman, scored a hundred points in 1954. So that was before the three-point line too, dude. I mean, even thinking in the NBA at the highest level, I mean, with Wilt Chamberlain's record of 100 points, I mean, the closest anyone's gotten to that was Kobe, and I think he got 81 against Jalen Rose. (laughs) So, I mean, it's hard. Like, you would have to take over the game, like, yourself. Like, you have to literally throw all four other teammates that you have under the buzz and just do everything. (laughs) It's that play – you can't play defense, though. Screw that. No. No. What you basically no. have them play defense and you just stay in the half court. It's almost like soccer where people have certain positions where they just stay on one half of the field. Like he's staying on his side of the paint where he can just get a bucket as fast as possible. That, okay. Um, Even on like NBA 2K, it's insane. There was one time where I was on like a career mode with one of my creative players and uh, I was going to try to score every single point by myself. I'm like the hardest mode or whatever. So I played the Bucks, and this is like the 2011 game. It's been a while. So I was, I think I finished with 137 points. The game went into six overtimes, but I had 137 points. And I think the final score was, I still had to get a couple of buckets just to keep the game alive <laughs> from someone else. I think it was like 160 to like 150 something. But yeah, that was goodness, it, dude. It was fun. Oh yeah, of course. Um, one of the others is fifty-four consecutive points with no teammate scoring. So, Honestly, dude, fifty-four points in a game. There's some uh, CUSA is, schools that I think could have done that, like UTSA when they had <laughs> Javon Jackson. Like that was a yeah. really good player. They had him in Wallace. Um, the other one is fifty-seven point three percent field uh, three-point field goal percentage in a season, minimum of a hundred made. Who was Stephen that? Kerr, Stephen uh, Steve Kerr from Arizona, nineteen eighty-eight. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then twenty-four consecutive free throws made in a game. That was Arlene Clark from Oklahoma State, nineteen fifty-nine. Forty-eight Man. consecutive games making a double-double. Tom Gola Lasalle, nineteen fifty-three to fifty-five. Four point six five career assist to turnover record. Minimum 400 assists, Monty Morris, Iowa State, 2013 to 17. That's impressive. That's crazy that that's low. That's within the past few years. Yeah, but most of those records aren't going to be beat, especially like the the one talking about the most points of just like one guy. No one's going to talk that. 157 career games played. <clears throat> that's <Injustice>. crazy. <laughs> yeah, no. That's David Lighty. 2006 to 11. That is wild to me. Dude played 157 career games. Yeah. So that was uh, before COVID too. He was, must have been like an eighth year senior. 
yeah, now they yeah, go to the post, thinking, you would have to go to a championship game in the postseason every single year and play like six seasons to get that many games. <laughs> okay, so I got a random here. Uh, UNLV fans prefer the three point streak to winning. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of where we're at right now. Too. Oh. I mean, we want to win, but I mean, we have games like North Texas, then that's impossible. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm trying to find like the list, but I'll look it up on the tower rack after a while. Um, anyway, yeah, honestly, like, so if, if you don't win a national championship, how far would you go want to go in the tournament to give up the streak? You got to go to the elite eight. It has to be the final four minimum. Final four. Okay. Minimum. Like we have to actually have a final four banner that doesn't have the last right next to it, which is stupid. They still need to get rid of that. It's been 50 years. What about the, uh, what about the, uh, uh, the tweet from Florida state? Oh, it was so funny. The fact that they actually hanged a banner for the 2020 season being canceled and they finished number fours. Um, that, and Laughable. people have always made fun of the Preds for all of the banners that they have, too. God. Yeah. that's So, for those of you who don't know, uh, Florida State hang, hung, hang, uh, they hung a 2020 uh, NCAA banner, and it says NCAA 2020 canceled. Uh, and underneath it, it says number four. So, because Florida State was ranked number four at the time, they think they deserved a banner. I mean, technically, they did finish in the final four of the standings, just that there was no final four game played. I mean, if I was Western, I would be, I'm surprised Zach Greenwell hasn't done that yet, like hang a banner up trying to take credit for something that we didn't <laughs> accomplish, just to try to make it a little easier for stands. Yep. Yep. I mean, hey, you got to play that up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm skimming it and I don't see it. Uh, but anyway, um, so the North Texas game was just ugly. Um, did you catch it? Yeah, they basically dominated us in every aspect. I mean, our three point defense has always been garbage since we've had Stansbury, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, they run the zone. Man, that's that's understandable. But you have um, to make adjustments if you want to keep them from doing that. And they have like North Texas has one of the best three point defenses in the entire NCAA. They were talking about that, and it was insane, like just how fast they close out on people, especially like our players, like on the perimeter. As soon as somebody would have the ball, there was a guy in their face immediately. Like you can tell the difference of someone that's coached really well on three point defense and a team that's not, and you just kind of hope that they start missing, which North Texas didn't really do. So we ended up losing because of that. So tell me, this is what I don't understand. And for those of you who are Stans fans, that's fine. You have your opinions. We played Rice and we played Man. We played North Texas. We played Zone. What sense does that make? None. <laughs> like, and that's my thing, honestly. Like. You can say what you want to, um, and that's fine. He's coach. I'm. I haven't played past little league basketball. You got me. Woohoo! But name me a name me some of these. Uh, you know, people who actually do analyzing for ESPN. Who besides the professional players, there are others that make the same assessments on things. But granted, anyway, yeah, Western shot sixteen percent yeah. from three point land. North Texas shot forty three percent. Yeah, You're not going to win a game like that. 
going back to what you were saying, though, I mean, we've had six years of this now, and we've seen the same issues every single year, regardless of whether or not we have five-star recruits or not. Yep. So, I mean, that's a coaching thing. And, of course, us not having two of the best players that were recruited in for this year, like Keith Williams isn't going to be able to play, and, of course, Harmon, he isn't on the team anymore, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, that's just kind of the reality of – I mean, the, the Stansberry takes these high risk, high reward guys, and oftentimes strikes out. So it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, 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 like you said, it, sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think it's the upside potential of it that he's more concerned with. And uh, the North Texas game was very frustrating, though. Um, mm-hmm. You know, nobody was hitting. Um, Western had two more turnovers than North Texas did. Uh, we actually had two more rebounds than North Texas did, too. Um, but, I mean, you just got to be ready for them when conference tournament comes because we're going to be seeing them again. Uh, probably, if we make it that far. <laughs> yeah, and after that after that game, who knows. Um, but, uh, so w- what were your assessments of that game? What do you think? Uh, I mean, we were just outcoached, honestly. I mean, McFarland is a really good coach. I'm surprised he stuck with North Texas after last season, going to the NCAA tournament and doing decent, I guess, for Conference USA. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't get any bigger offers. But, I mean, he's put together a really good team at North Texas, even though they lost uh, Hamlet and a couple of the guys that were on the team last year. I mean, they still have a lot of good production coming back and – Obviously, you're still one of the best teams in the West, along with UAB and Louisiana Tech. I mean, the West is kind of loaded, and the East is still kind of up for grabs. Uh, Matt McKay put an article out today, uh, State of Conference USA Basketball, just kind of looking at all the teams. And, I mean, Charlotte is technically one of the better teams in the East, which is interesting, but they haven't played as many games as us because of COVID. So I don't know how well you can really say that they are, and especially they didn't really play too many good teams in their non-conference. That It's kind of hard to gauge. It's the same with them and Middle and MTSU. And, I mean, Marshall has done terrible <laughs> since getting in conference play, which is really surprising that they've kind of gone downhill the way that they have. Like, they aren't the normal threat to us as they normally have been. Like, we should. Yeah, in, we that was should, funny. Go ahead, theory, go ahead. In theory, we should do really well. In the East, but and potentially win it and get the one seed. But I mean, if we keep shooting as ice cold as we did against North Texas and just continue to refuse to play three point defense, and I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that was that was something I saw though when I was looking. <laughs> I was kind of you said something about the state of conference USA, and I kind of glance over at the the standings, and I'm like, all right, Charlotte, interesting, Old Dominion. Interesting. Middle Western FAU. Okay, we're all tied. We're half a game back. Okay. Um, and then it's like FIU Marshall. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, that's uh that's interesting. They're getting ready for the Sun Belt. Evidently. You got but I don't think you have to tank. So should somebody tell them? I, don't I think know. somebody should tell them they don't have to tank to go to the Sun Belt. I mean, the team they have now is probably already better than half the teams in the Sun Belt anyways. Probably. Um, but uh, I'm, Marshall losing, America wins. But um, Charlotte Old Dominion is interesting to me. Old Dominion is not doing very well outside of conference play. They're 7-9 mm-hmm. and nine right now. Well, um, that's not great. 
No, it's not great, but I don't know if they necessarily should be at the top of the uh, conference. Let's see here. Okay, they've lost to Indiana State, 77-36. to Jeez, did they have Larry Bird come back? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, they lost to East Carolina. They lost to Penn. I assume that's just Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Quakers. Yeah, they have a really sick arena. It's like the Cathedral of Basketball. So, I just want to say, I swear that I have, like, glance, glance dyslexia. Because sometimes when I look at words, I'm like, what did that say? And I almost said the Pennsylvania Quackers, but... <laughs> But I caught it before I did it. Um, you got, like I said, East Carolina. They lost to VCU, uh, the Richmond Spiders. <laughs> great. That's so All great. of those are really good mid-major teams. Though. VCU and Richmond. Oh yeah, good. definitely. Um, the game against FAU was postponed, which honestly they probably would have lost that one. Um, and they lost to UTEP, and they play Rice. Was uh, tomorrow night. At 8 p.m., so that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to steal a phrase from you. I think Old Dominion's a paper tiger. Mm-hmm. Charlotte may be a different story, but Old Dominion, I think they're a paper tiger. I think they're going to drop. I mean, we, realistically, we should beat all of the teams in the East without any issues. But yes. we always play down to our competition, so I don't know if we will or not. Yeah, that's very frustrating and very hard to deal with. Yeah. I will say I was very pleased to hear the announcers talking during the Rice game about how difficult it how difficult it is for teams to come in to diddle to play. Oh, it's such a great atmosphere. And I was like, that's great. I love hearing that. That makes me happy. And it just honestly it reminded me of what Matt always says about about Diddle Arena, so much better atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so let's let's go ahead and let's look at um, what Western's got next. Yeah, we've got seven minutes. We might as well do that. Um, sorry, getting over here real quick. Uh, we've got FAU uh, tomorrow night uh, at 7 p.m. We will be in Boca Raton, so they don't have to worry about the snow. And Western has a 56.3% chance to win this game. They're giving Western two points. That's which, pretty sad. Way, Have you seen FAU's gym? It's like smaller than Franklin Simpson High School's gym. <laughs> Honestly. Is it really? I mean, it's got to be close. It's like the size of a standard high school gym. Like it's not a college, like a Division One mid-major level gym. It is not that. It's bad. So usually when the game is going to be pretty close, they give the home team the two points, but they're giving it to Western. So that tells me that we're going to get at least four, um, which I can live with. I can live with that. Um, BPI has got us at 56.3. I think it's going to be a good game. What do you think? I think we should, in theory, be able to win by at least 10 points, but whether or not we will kind of depends on, I mean, our three-point shooting and if everybody shows up or not, because, I mean, that hasn't really happened this season at all where everyone has showed up and contributed the way that they need to. We've had a couple of games where I think everybody averaged maybe 10 points, but that wasn't against, like, the bigger teams. So, 
I'm not really sure. I mean, just the fact that they're only given is like 56% chance to beat FAU in a gym that only holds how many people? Only 2,500. So uh, they'd be lucky to have more than 1,000, honestly. So, I mean. Yeah. And I mean, it's Saturday night in Boca. And yeah. most people like in Miami or somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, they're in South Beach. Which, let's see. I don't know. I don't know if Boca, if the students are back yet. I know that a well, lot of students less are back. People. I mean, I know UK students are back. I'm sure Louisville students are too. And of course, Western, I think they start back next week. Yeah, I was going to say, typically our schedule uh, pre-COVID was that the students always start back the week after uh, MLK Day. So Yeah. Um, but I, I look forward to that game. I think it's going to be a fun one. Um, check it out. It will be <laughs> – let me go back and check. It will be on the CBS Sports Network. So uh, if you can't watch it then, you can usually check it out the next day on uh, Hilltopper Sports. You can check it there. Uh, and then, of course, Western's going to be playing FIU on the 22nd. That will be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Western's got a 59% chance there. We've already played them once and beaten them. Uh, we beat them 84-71. So, and this one is in Miami, so this should be fun. What do you think of the uh, Miami game, Jared? Uh, I mean, it could go either way. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, we should have a pretty good shot at it regardless. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it'll be a good game. Uh, good uh, good rematch. Hopefully get Western warmed up for the uh, big matchup next week against UAB on the 27th, which will be next – is that Tuesday? I check my calendar here. No, twenty seventh will be next Thursday, so we'll talk UAB next week. Uh, but UAB is going to be has been pretty tough this year, from what I understand. Yeah, but they did lose to Rice, and they did struggle against FAU for a little bit before they scored like <laughs> six threes in a row and were able to seal that game. But it was closer than it probably should have been for them. So I don't know. They lost to South Carolina by three. Is so South that's another Carolina one. Good? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're like Louisville, that it's a good name and it's a good win on paper, but they, they're kind of down this year. Uh, South Carolina is 12th in the SEC, and they are 10-7. and seven. They are 1-4 in conference play. Yeah, so not that good. <laughs> no, no, but they still lost by three, so I'll give them that. Um, but, yeah, I think UAB will be a tough game for us. We'll see. Um Anyway, guys, definitely check out the Tower Rack. We will be coming back to you next week. Um, talking more Western sports. Looks like um, Western's going to be playing on ES, uh, CBS Sports Network tomorrow night at 7 p.m. What is that time? Ah! Love it when I... 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, probably 6 Central on CBS Sports Network. And then we play FIU on the 22nd, which will be on uh, Saturday. Uh, that game is at 7 p.m., and we will be in Miami. So wonder if they're staying down there. I wonder how that works. Yeah, probably. I mean, it would make more sense. Uh, so, And then next week we'll be back to talk uh, UAB, uh, MTSU, and uh, maybe Charlotte. We'll see. Um, but as always, guys, go Tops. Go Tops. Too loud.
All right, see you, dude. Have a good one.